0: This is Just Football. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Just Football. Um, we have another guest with us tonight where we can focus on a specific club and a just grill them. Actually, I shouldn't say grill them. We've got to ease them in. We'll ask some nice questions about the the team they support and yeah, a little bit more about their football stories. So with me as always, first, we've got Dan S, uh, regular co-host. Dave's not with us, but our guest tonight is Nathan Chapman, who is my current, well, current, he's a work colleague of mine. So hi, Nathan. And plans to change or? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's always the odd word there. But yeah, hi, hi, Nathan. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, very good. So we've got Nathan on. He supports Watford and he's oh, got seems... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we'll come on to that. No, um the other reason for you know, other than sort of Watford isn't the team we've covered yet up to now, you've also got some stories and experience in refing and depending on time, some managing um managing experience, coaching experience. So mm-hmm so for anyone listening who doesn't know much about Watford very quick overview of the team so they were formed in 1881 so 142 years ago so another another club with with heritage there Um, play their games at Vicarage Road current manager is Valerian Ishmael now I've been trying to work Is, is that still the case. <laughs> is it still the case. Okay, and I'll, <laughs> I'm going to come on to why Dan said that shortly. Um, now I've had a look. So I've always, you know, and it, it, I'm trying to word this without sounding like it's a slight, but Watford to me have always been a big club. I've always seen that, you know, they've always been in and around the top top flight. They've kind of yo-yoed a bit, but they've they've kind of eluded uh, or the the big kind of trophies and 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 uh, accomplishments have eluded them but they as i said they've always they've I've been in the first division or the premier league a few times um when i was having a look at the club Luther Blissett, who i've actually met once a uh, nice chap holds the record for watford appearances so he's played 503 matches between 76 and 92 and he scored 186 goals, which is fairly impressive as well. Um, and just quickly about the managers. So, yeah, I think Watford have gained a reputation of going through the managers recently, haven't they? And I counted that since the 7th of July 2020, they've had nine managers with three in 2020 and three in 2022. Um, but and it doesn't also-
1: get much better if you go further back than that either. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, since the positives have come in, that has been their whole the way they do things
0: yeah but just just finally for me on on the managers though you, you know you've ha- have had big managers as well so Slavin Bilic has been there Roy Hodgson Zola managed them Viali's managed them and probably the biggest one though Graham Taylor has been there mm-hmm. a handful of times hasn't he three times and to me that's who I'll always associate with Watford yeah um,
1: and we so- and, you know, we still celebrate you know his His birthday and his passing, every time that, you know, that gets to that minute in the game, we all stand up and clap because, yeah, there is such a link to Graham Taylor. Obviously, the only statue outside the stadium is of him. Um, And that's why it feels so strange now to go through managers and treat them with no respect when there Mm -hmm. was, you know, a manager who literally dragged the team, him and Elton John, hand in hand um, from, you know, from lower divisions you know, into an FA Cup final and everything else. So, yeah, it's a, it is a massive change.
0: Yeah, the question uh, uh, the question I had, because it was something I didn't look up actually, is Elton John still part of the club?
1: So I went and saw Elton John at Vicarage Road last year and yeah. on the stage he was very explicit in what he said, swearing and all, <laughs> uh, and he said, well, I'm not going to allow this to happen to my club anymore and I'm going to get involved again. And obviously everyone in the stadium erupted because what has happened, especially last summer, uh, little did he know, it'd get worse. But it wasn't good. And we were desperate for him to get involved and have more of a say. Um, And then he hasn't done that for whatever reason. Now, obviously, he's doing a 50th retirement tour. So, (laughs) yeah, he had to finish that. Uh, And he says for now, this is definitely the last of that. So maybe he'll get back involved. But at the moment, no
0: okay okay because i always found that to be quite a fascinating thing as well to have one of the biggest sort of mm-hmm. pop uh pop stars associated to a club um yeah and and like i said synonymous again with graham taylor um so yes yeah, so i guess oh and sorry before i go we go into the first question and like i said i i appreciate it's a fairly quick overview of of the mm-hmm. club um they were at least, and Dan, you might be able to answer this, but they were at least part of the ground was used for Dream Team, right? What, yeah. Was it was it the main I think, ground? Or?
2: I, I think it was, right? I'm, I'm sure that was. kid, was probably wasn't it?
0: too young for Dream uh, Team.
2: Yeah, you're, you're, you're before my time. Yeah that was a sky it was a like a... Yeah, is a it's a sky one sitcom before us uh, same sort of time as footballers well, wives so, like soap pop, soap 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 yeah. up and it's based around a fictional team called Harchester United and i'm pretty sure yeah. their home ground was Vicarage Road and
1: well, they go. just dressed up yeah. as a- before like, Richmond the- AFC. We were <laughs> yeah. the first. Is that what you're
0: absolutely. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was, uh, I had to be at Watford football ground once. And we and I was, I saw part of the very first scene being filmed, so I know it was at least used for part of it. But anyway, we didn't get you on to talk about trashy football soap operas. <laughs> um, I guess then the first question I'll, I'll kick us off is, yeah, why do you support Watford?
1: So I'm from Hemel Hempstead. Uh, and I like to say I support my local team, but then people say, "Well, why don't you support Hemel?" Because I don't want to. F- I don't want to fall that out. <laughs> uh, you know, I want to see some some sort of standard of football. Um, no, but it, yeah, it's a bit of a weird story. So you know, when I was when I was a child, my dad supports Arsenal, um, but he's very much a, a sofa supporter, so he never goes to the games. And I was put in Arsenal gear and uh, and everything like that. And I'd beg, I'd beg my dad, please, you know, take me to the games. And he never would. So then as soon as I got old enough to, to get on a bus, um, the nearest, the nearest good game of football was Watford. Uh, and I started going in 2012. So I timed it pretty well because um, that was when Pozzos came in and, and Zola came in and, and it just captured my imagination. And and from that day, I never really looked back. So I'm the opposite of a glory hunter. I, uh, you know, <laughs> it would have worked out much better had I stuck with my dad's ideas, but I wouldn't have seen anywhere near as much football. So I've been a season ticket holder since that year. Um And I've seen some amazing times and I've seen some some bad times, but overall uh, it's, it's definitely been more positive than negative, although we're going through a bit of a funny phase at the moment. Um But yeah, I think like, the moment that, that got me, the moment that was like, right, I'm going to be here now and this is me, was obviously um Almunia Dini. We all know it. It's, it's that moment. It's the one every every single Watford fan would go to. Um, but yeah, I was in the stadium and uh, yeah, it was crazy, obviously. Everyone was on the ground. I, I remember I was standing and uh, when Almunia saved it, the guy behind me just pushed me to the floor <laughs> and I couldn't even get out because everyone was bouncing. The whole stadium was shaking. Like, literally, because Amunia saving a, a kick in the last, you know, last minute of the game against knockout of all people who Watford fans just, we just don't like. So for him to dive, get a penalty in the last kick of the game to ruin our chances of going up. And I got back up. And as I got back up, we see the ball coming from, like, to Hog. Hog headed it back. And I remember thinking, <laughs> no! he's What's he doing? He's missed it. Like, he's he's got to head it in. And then, no, little did I know, Dini just... Bang! And then the geezer behind me just pushed me straight back down. <laughs> and I, so I only saw the two main bits, but it was enough for me to go, "Oh my god! Like I need yeah. to, I need to be here." So since then, I've been to ninety-five percent of all home games, um, many away games as well. And yeah, I just love it.
2: Yeah, so that's a real and, goosebump moment. Then I guess that it? was amazing. Yeah, and, and so what did what was the significance of that of that game? Was it to? I can't remember what it was. Uh,
1: well, it was the playoff semi-final. And actually, weirdly enough, that's where it peaked because we went to the final uh, and played awfully against Crystal Palace. Uh, yeah. And we lost 1-0 to Kevin Phillips, who played for us alongside 25 other teams. Uh, and he scored a penalty. <laughs> and that was the only moment of the game. And then Crystal Palace yeah. had gone up and never come back down. So, yeah, fair fair play to them. But at the time, it was, it was horrible because that, that was... It was like we peaked too early. That moment yeah, yeah. was, yeah, it was it was too good to be true, and it quite
2: literally was. But but like yeah. as you said, that's kind of what football is about, isn't it? Those moments mm-hmm. that you kind of think back on, and you know, yeah. you'll t- tell people about that. That moment. Everyone, being yeah. that
1: Everyone assumes we went up that season, but we didn't. But that yeah. moment is so much bigger than you know promotion to the Premier League because that put Watford on the map. You know, whenever yeah. I go on holiday and speak to the waiters, they always say, <laughs> "Ah, Dini. and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, they, yeah that, that's the team." Yeah, so as, that's I, I
2: think as uh, sorry Dan, as Tottenham fans, I think we understand that because we have a lot of semi-final moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And never, never go on to win the last thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's
1: almost worse. I mean, obviously you had the the Champions League final not too long ago, but when you get there and it doesn't go to doesn't go to your. Um, doesn't go your way, it's like, oh no, it's almost would it be better
0: not to be here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's what yeah. I was saying, in, kind of like in the introduction, is when we look at it, so Watford have been runners up in the playoff, the league championship playoffs three times, right? And and they won it in two thousand five, two thousand six and and been FA Cup runners up, um yeah, I I'd forgotten about this bit twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen series. So it's it, it feels like it's one of those teams that's due like that good run and, mm-hmm. and and to make that breakthrough. Um, and I think the thing with Watford as well is it's got that element of being, it feels like it's a London club, but outside a London club, doesn't it? So it's, yeah. it's like it's got that big name. It, it, it's got the draw of being yeah. in London, but not having to get into there. <laughs>
1: Literally, I mean, if you play Watford as uh, you know on career mode, that's the one thing that they say is that uh, everyone says it's London, but it isn't. You know, it's Hertfordshire. Yeah, no, it's it's just outside London, but obviously, we don't have a huge amount of teams around us. So the local derbies are mm. typically in London, although they're only derbies to us most of the time. Uh, the other teams have got much closer teams. So yeah. it's literally Watford and Luton, uh, and obviously, you know that is. Yeah, a whole new, yeah. a whole new chapter of the story.
0: Well, it's like it's like Luton Airport being called London Luton, right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, doesn't make any sense. Ooh. But I, I think it works in our in our favour, obviously, because a lot of the players, uh, and I won't name them all, but they come to Watford purely so that they can say they live in London, yeah, um, yeah. and live that lifestyle. They they're not diehard Watford fans, uh, put
0: it that way. <laughs> so you said your dad supported Arsenal, was it? Yeah, was, was there any words said when you chose Watford? No, so he, I mean, he went
1: to Watford as a, as a kid as well. So okay. Watford is, is our local team. It's, you know, it's 10 minutes down the road. Um, and it was it's so affordable. The, the other thing was for me to get a season ticket at 12 years old was £60 a year. Wow. I don't know wow. if they still do that for the club, but yeah. the reason they do that is to get suckers like me who accidentally <laughs> yeah, fall in love with it and then pay £500 a year when I'm an adult. Um, but yeah, so that, that's that you know, that, 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 was like, yeah, go and do it. Cause he didn't want to take me to the games. I, I, I wanted him, I didn't care where he took me. I said, will you take me to a Watford game? The answer was no. Will you take me to an Arsenal game? No. So I had to do it on my own and I, I got a cult following of all my mates, took them all down. They, they all supported Arsenal and now they all have a, they don't, they don't all love Watford as much as I do, but they all <laughs> still call it their second team.
0: Right, so I had a question, which is going to sound like a bizarre question, but I was going to ask, what's it like supporting Watford with the whole it's London, not London, and big club, but not, you know, sort yeah. of named within like the premiership, sort of big boys or anything like that. Mm. So what's it like being a Watford fan?
1: Yeah, it's weird. I mean, we're called the original family club. So there is a real family feel. I mean, I, I remember like, they've done so many things during COVID so that they opened up the... You know, they opened up the um, uh, the stadium for the local hospital, which is literally next door, um, and, you know, fed all the nurses and the doctors, and, and that sort of thing really gives you a connection.
0: Yeah.
1: But then on the flip side, you've obviously got the way that they treat managers, some of the silly things that they say. Um, you know, just uh, the one example to touch on is obviously Rob Edwards, uh, Luton Luton manager now in the Premier League, uh, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: was our manager at the start of last season. So, to, you know, to put that into perspective, that just doesn't happen very often. Watford players and Luton players, they don't typically play for the same team and then manager in the same season. And then he goes to Luton and gets them promoted. But the worst bit for all Watford fans, if you say come hell or high water, every Watford fan will know what you mean. And the reason for that is because at the end of last or at the end of the season before when we got relegated, our CEO came out and said, "We are going to support Rob Edwards, come hell or high water."
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Eight games later, we were fourth in the division, and he sacked the manager. And you what? just think, why?
2: What was the reasons? Was it ever really kind of known
1: what? Yeah. So it's 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 not it's not good reading. Put it that way. So there's a a sporting director uh, who's the Pozzo's right hand man, Um, and. He actually, it's, it's, the whole story is a bit crazy. So Pozzo sacked him, and that this is how uh, allegedly it happened. Pozzo sacked the sporting director. The sporting director went steaming into the Pozzo and said, you, you've made the wrong decision. you got to sack him. I'm not the one in the wrong. He's the one in the wrong, because they were disagreeing. So him and Rob Edwards were clashing as mm. to how they want to play football. Um, Rob was really like, uh, he wanted to pay three at the back. That's up for debate whether he truly did or not, because a lot of the time we think Pozzo's picked the team. Um, but anyway, he had lots of different ideas as to how to how to run the team, and him and the sporting director didn't get on. Now, apparently, he went in and had that meeting, and Pozzo came out of that meeting and then sacked the other guy instead. Now, if that's leadership, I don't know what leadership is. Um, yeah. If you make a decision, you've got to go with it. And if you thought Rob Edwards was the man... And you start thinking, well, actually, if the manager is not the problem and it's the players we bought in, which I think is correct, then get rid of the guy bringing in the players. But no, somehow that meeting went the way of the Italian. The English manager walked out the door and then Bilic was in. And he didn't even last three or four months.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it, it, it's crazy. The, the turnover is crazy. Rob Edwards really, he understood. I mean, I bumped, him to, I bumped into him at, the Elton John concert and offered to buy him a beer as did (laughs) everyone else in the whole stadium. Um, So he politely declined, but just the vibe from him was brilliant. And to say I'm jealous of Luton is not something I want to say. And it's not something that I I say easily, but I I truly am. They've got a, a great young manager there that I see as the next Graham Potter. You know, he's probably 40 years old. You know, he's, he's, he's handsome. He's got everything in his favor and not to mention, there's actually value in what uh, in managers now. You know, we nearly made money from Marco Silva. Brighton have made loads of money on Potter. I think if we'd have kept with him, one of the big teams or even one of the relegation battle teams in the Premier League he might have come and paid us ten million. But instead, mm. we literally handed him to Luton, and then he got them promoted.
2: So it's interesting because the way you you talk about it is if you don't hold it against Edwards either for going not to all. Luton, so. It feels like even though he's gone to your rivals, he's still well respected within Watford and yeah hundred yeah,
1: percent. I mean, Watford the Watford Twitter went crazy the day you got uh, the day he got Luton promoted and it wasn't anything to do with Edwards. It was all yeah. to do with the Pozzos and how that could have been us. Um look what we've literally let our rivals do by taking the guy that we had. Yeah. It's like seeing, you know, it's like seeing your your enemy pick up one of your exes that you knew you should never have left Um, it doesn't it doesn't feel good Um, the flip side of that is and I I really have no idea why Watford do this the evening that Luton got promoted the guy who I just mentioned who got the who turned around the whole situation the sporting director um, who I won't name not not not, I don't (laughs) like the guy (laughs) Um, he got an extension and they announced it the day Luton got promoted now is that passive aggressive or is that passive yeah. aggressive? I don't know. I think it sounds to me like they were like, yeah, there you go. Yeah. We, did, we didn't want want Rob Edwards. We wanted this guy and we're going to give him an extension. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah.
0: It, it's funny as well, isn't it? Because I know I hear, because I listen to the local radio and yeah, you hear the Pozzo name mentioned a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's, it seems to be, you only ever know clubs, owners, for bad reasons. Like we could say the yeah. Glazers at United, you know, we hear a lot about Enoch at Tottenham, don't we? It's like, mm-hmm. you don't often hear about the, the owners of uh, like Brighton or Bournemouth yeah. or, or Brentford. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and the club outside, you know, it's sort of in the championship. We, we, we know of them because the owners are, are probably being sworn at a lot. Um, mm-hmm. How long have they been? Has he been owner now?
1: Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. It wasn't always like this. So they bought us in 2011, and you know they built a stand, so we were originally a three stand um, stadium. We've now got four stands. They've literally improved the whole place. The whole the whole layout of Vicarage Road is incredible now. They brought players to the club like Etienne Capoue, Abdoulaye yeah. Decore, Will Hughes, Roberto Pereira, Delafeu. Yeah. These are all yeah. players that you know Watford have never signed. And we got promoted. We've had amazing moments. And it was all based on getting a manager, doing it until it works and then sacking him. But unfortunately that, that has, you know, that hasn't worked forever and yeah. they run out of ideas. I mean, we thought they're a genius. They're the next, you know, Roman Abramovich, like yeah. Chelsea era yeah. where you spend 12 months with a manager, you win the Champions League and then you get rid of him and you start a new. But then it became crazy. It was like one, one every six months, then it was one every three months, then some managers lasted weeks. And you yeah. start thinking, God, is this a one-trick pony? Is that all they've got? Yeah,
0: yeah I mean, we, we know what it's like having three managers in a season as well, though, Dan, don't we? So-
1: <laughs> mm. I mean, yeah, that's a whole other story. <laughs> Who thought Nuno, eighth choice and Nuno? I mean, there was no yeah. one else.
0: But- kind of felt for him because he seems like a nice guy, just wasn't the Well, right. did you hear about the Joe Hart interview?
1: No, so Joe no. Hart said that the first the first thing that Nuno did when he walked through the door was he said to Joe Hart, you're not a good goalkeeper and you need to leave. Now, <laughs> what then proceeded to happen was no clubs came in for Joe Hart. So yeah. he's there as an unhappy egg that you've yeah, caused. Yeah, you yeah. just think, I mean, Nuno didn't do a lot, but that was one of the things he did. And you think... Yeah. He'll be, he'll be managing Watford soon, don't worry.
2: <laughs> he, he, he hasn't had a go yet, has he? <laughs> no, 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 no. He
1: I mean, they say we're about five or six years away but from never being further than five or six metres from a Watford manager. Yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> I work well, in Bedford, by the way, so I've heard them all. I've heard them
2: all. <laughs> <laughs> and with regards to Luton, um, so just talking about Luton promotion just a little bit. Like And the reason I ask this, because I grew up um, and I went to a lot of looting games, I grew up in Dunstable, um, so been to a few playoff finals and obviously quite, even I support Spurs, I kind of lived with them while they went down and had their 30 point deduction and went all the way down. Mm-hmm. And what me and my mates were saying, who kind of supported, well, I think one of my best mates supports Blackburn, and he was saying he just finds it really bizarre because going through all of school and all through growing up, Luton have always been almost like out of touch, always been below. And now all of a sudden Luton are above his team and he finds it quite weird because hes it's just a weird feeling to kind of get used to when you're mm-hmm. so used to Luton being so so down below. So do, do Watford feel that a little bit, that they've always felt superior yeah. and now all of a sudden it's swapped around for a season?
1: Well, my generation, for sure. I mean, if you speak to Luton fans, they'll, they'll talk about the past. They love the past. Yeah. Um, but we've always had the present. So it's always been like, OK, get in your box. Who's in yeah. the Premier League? <laughs> um, yeah. And now it's not like that. But my uh, my granddad who literally just retired this year because he said this is the pinnacle. And um, he works for Luton. Oh he did oh, work wow. for Luton. Um, yeah. he was the you know he's the chief steward. Um, yeah. and they say he looks like Bruce Forsyth, so all the all <laughs> the Luton fans when he walks past is Brucey, give us a wave and everything like that. Um but yeah, no, so so he's he's seen it all, you know, he he started probably fifteen years ago. He saw yeah. them go all the way down and then he's seen them all come all the way back up. And, yeah, uh, yeah to be fair, what they've done is incredible. I, I, I can't I can't fault them. They've got a yeah. core group of players that really want to be there, that have all been given an opportunity to do something that none of them individually would have thought yeah. they'd ever been able to do. You know, there's that one guy, I can't remember his name, but he's literally played in every division with Luton. And you yeah. just think, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't have that. We go and sign players who use us as a stop as a stopgap. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. can I get my name out there? Um Abdullah DeKore, Ismar Asar, everyone like that. They say, Yeah, I'll come to Watford but I'll be here a year or two. Whereas the Luton players they believe they they, they see it and you can just yeah. see it yeah when when you watch them and it's
2: really annoying. It's a it's a real story, isn't it? it it's, um, a, it's an amazing story. It's an I it, mean
1: the, their ground is disgusting
2: I mean <laughs> That's I, 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 I can't to to you. have you ever been to Kenilworth
1: Road yes and seen it your way in. yes so obviously when like I was really young my granddad took me um just on a on a random Tuesday there was no match on he just had to go and do work and then it was summer holidays and I was with him and there's like there's literally like little tiny weenie uh, football pitches within the ground it's, it's such a strange ground mm-hmm. like you go through people's back gardens you know if you as an away fan you're literally you go and get a drink at half time you can see people's washing lines it's (laughs) crazy um and yeah the weirdest thing is obviously my granddad hears things internally they didn't plan for this so they have a plan or something i don't want to talk about Luton too much but they had a plan about going up in a few years time because they're going to have a new stadium and everything like that and it's all happened too soon so obviously you've heard they've postponed their games and things like that Obviously, yeah. not going to turn down that money, but yeah. they're going to have to use some of that money to renovate a stadium that they're not going to be in in a, in a yeah. you know in a little while. But do I think Harlan's going to struggle there? Hundred <laughs> percent. Am I going to put you know hundred pound on Luton staying up? Yes, because it's a win win.
2: If they go down,
1: win. If they stay up, win. Um, but I, I think they're going to. I think they're going to be a real force at home, at least for the first season. Because yeah, I, they're so going to pick up close. some points
2: there, aren't they? They're, yeah. they're just the, the whole shock system of it, and just yeah.
1: I mean, I, the only Luton game I do not watch Luton, but obviously I was a big um, I was a big Millwall fan, uh, or whoever it was they played in the the semis, and I was a huge Coventry fan. Um, <laughs> but when they played at home, I watched that game. The players literally are about a foot away from the fans. So when the ball goes into the stand, the, the fans are like come get the ball like quite aggressively and you he just it's suffocating. I think yeah. it's gonna be great to watch, but only for one year.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then they go back down. Yeah. Um cool. And just going back to Watford because I said we don't want to speak about too much. <laughs> Please don't. Um so a so back so back to Watford. If you could kind of name your top three favourite players sort of, mm. sort of over the years that you think back off and go, God, they're my hero, mm. who, who, would you, who would they be?
1: So it's really strange, but like top creme de la creme is yeah. Etienne Capoue. Uh, yeah. Anyone who went week in, week out knows how good that guy is. I mean, when we signed him from you guys, uh, he didn't really get a game. He was obviously used with the bail money um, yeah. and everyone was kind of listed as a failure that was signed after that. I think Eriksen was the only one that kind of did well. Yeah. Um, but Kapu was just so good. He was a Rolls Royce of a midfielder. And I remember there was this one season where Ducore scored all the goals and a match of the day, because they don't really watch the games, they were saying, oh, Ducore, he's a player. But No. Capou was the man. If it wasn't for Capou, Ducore does not get his move to Everton, and he does not, you know, he does not continue to be a Premier League player because Capou made it happen. Every time he got the ball, it was just like, wow, he nutmegs people every game, and yeah, at Watford we don't see that. So that'd be number one. Yeah. Number two would be Troy Deeney, obviously legend. Um the cojones against Arsenal, the,
0: you know. I was going to say, I like Dini because he did used to wind Arsenal up yeah. a bit, didn't he? So, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like literally, and, and he said it how it was. And I remember like, he got so much, he got so much stick. There was this, there was one game like where he got sent off in the eighth minute for elbowing someone in the face. You just think, yes, we need that. Like, I, I wish we had someone who did that now because yeah, people didn't yeah. want to come and play against us. Deanie was, yeah. Dini was the front man and, in amongst all the change of managers, he was the consistent. He was the captain year in, year out. And what Dini said went. So even if a manager came and go, came and, and gone, um, he was there and he kept everyone in, in shape. Um, and then third, it's up for debate, but I would go Delefay just because of the FA Cup semi-final. So we're 2-0 down against Wolves, um, 79th minute. We're playing awfully. I've spent £100 on a ticket and I'm thinking how's, like what's, what's the quickest way to get home? Um, <laughs> and then like Ducora uh, De- Delefeo even he flicks the ball with the outside of his leg and it just like how it went in I don't even know it's one of the best goals I've ever seen um, and from there we literally looked like a different team and then obviously we got a penalty in the last kick of the game and Dini smashed it down the middle like he always did I don't know why goalkeepers didn't watch his penalties he only ever went one way Um and then we won, and we went to the final, and then we don't talk about the final. But yeah, it was that was yeah, Delafoe was in in Watford history for that, and yeah, he was class player.
0: I forgot Fea, uh played for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was brilliant, really, really good. Okay, so and, and and kind of going back to like the ground and that. So what what is the atmosphere like? Because you know, for a club that has been through quite a lot of change. What what is the atmosphere like in in the home end?
1: Well, it's hard not to look at like recency bias, but um, when I first started going, it was electric. And to be honest with you, for the seven to eight years after that, it was as well. It was so positive. It was so optimistic. Um, It was was full every week. Um, But then last season is when it's really kind of hit his his rock bottom. (laughs) Um, there's a lot of booing. There's a lot of Pozzos out. Um, people walking with their feet. People not showing up in the first place. That was a, a really heavy, um, a, a heavy, noticeable thing last year. It's it's one of them. It's one of them um, fan bases. You've got seventy percent of the stadium who live in Watford slash or at local areas um, and support Watford, and then you've got thirty percent of people who are either friends with people who support Watford or just going because it's, you know, it's a local team and they support Arsenal or whoever it might be. And then that percentage swings when we play bigger teams as well. So sometimes the best games are not the big games against Man United and Arsenal, because a lot okay. of the stadium is supporting Man United and Arsenal. Um, so the better games are when you play like West Brom and stuff and you, you get the real fans, but yeah, it's, it's really good. I mean, it's a real family, family culture and yeah, I love it. I've sit in the rookery. Um, I'm not in the 1881. That's, no, that's a bit too loud for me. They bang that <laughs> drum the whole time and I don't fancy that in my ear. So I sit a bit closer to the goal. and not Enough that I can hear it and get involved, but, you know, come back with eardrums as well.
2: Um, I'm, I'm going to ask a question, which I think, if it's stupid, I'm going to get Dave to edit this out. But <laughs> I'm for some reason, noise. when, when I think of... Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 30 minutes in, scrub this minute. But when um when I think to Watford and Vicarage Road, I seem to recall the dugouts being in a weird position on the pitch, but they were a bit further down from the centre line. Is that right? Or has, have I made that up?
1: <laughs> no, I, hate, I hate to say it, but you have made that up. So you might want <laughs> oh, to hit crop. Yeah, oh. they're, they're in a normal place. They're, they're right next to the um, the players'
0: entrance. Um We're not going to have to find out what ground it is now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah, really they're below
1: the Elton John. So we've got we've got four sides of the stadium. We've got uh, I think it's still called the Family Stand, which is also it's half family stand and then half away half, half away. Then you've got the Elton John, then you've got the Graham Taylor, and then you've got the rookery.
0: Right. And and I have got a couple more questions before we move on. Um Okay, one one question. Is if you explain to someone who 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 hasn't seen Watford or does know what for what's currently is their style of play? How would you say you know, is it enjoyable to watch them? Are they?
1: It's in, well, it's impossible to know because we don't really have one with the amount of managers we go through. Um But the overall, if you were to look percentage-wise, because obviously we haven't had one manager, so just percentage-wise as to what formation we played, we typically play three at the back with wing backs, mm-hmm. and then in our heyday, um, we either had three up front which would, you know, you'd inter- interchange the players. It would either be Pereira, Feu, um, or more recently, Saar and Yal Pedro. Um, so we'd either play like a three up front, but sometimes we played two up top, and I really enjoyed it when we played two up top because we had Igalo and Dini. But right now, I have no idea what we're going to look like next se- next season. Um, Ismali, uh, from his like pre-season interviews, is saying that it's all about high pressure, high-pressing Break the lines. As soon as they have the ball, we press them. As soon as we have the ball, we attack. Which mm. sounds great, but can change really quickly, especially if the players decide to back it in like they do regularly. Because mm. um, okay. that sounds like they need 100 percent effort. Yeah, and that isn't something we've seen. So, yeah, I don't know what our style will be.
0: Well, and linked into that, then what is it as like a fan? come the new season because as Spurs fans it doesn't matter what happened last season we're going to win everything the next year yeah is <laughs> we delude ourselves into thinking we're going to win everything so yeah what goes through the mind of a Watford fan come come August
1: I mean in years gone by it has always been optimistic so you know when we're in the Premier League we we don't really think we're gonna um get relegated we're quite optimistic typically And that's changed more recently. So in the last three or four years, that's completely changed. And now this season, we're split. We really are split as a fan base. I think some fans are worried we might go down. I know that sounds crazy, but if we go for another three managers and if the players decide not to try again, it is not possible for us to stay in the division. The division's so strong. If you're not going to try, you're going to get found out. And that is just, that's just basics. But yeah, this is why so many fans are unhappy at the moment. Um and yeah, uh, the flip the flip side is obviously the, the people who think we have a chance of being in the playoffs. If we could get in the playoffs, we'd all yeah. be buzzing. We'd yeah. all be
0: buzzing. Okay, okay. I I'll, I'll kind of want to move on and I want to finish on a high note though. Dan, have you got any other questions specifically about Watford? Yeah.
2: No, I feel a bit silly from my dugout uh, suggestions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Once think, it's half well, I'm you know, yeah. It's, 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 I'm just going to sulk for a little bit and then I'll take part again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Crop, we're going to put this as a pre-credit teaser. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. Um, okay, so let's finish on high. What has been, or, or give us a couple of like your best moments that, you know, that you've seen there?
1: Um, well, I've, I've told you the two, the two best, best ones, but like okay. even moments with Egalo, um you know he did this yeah he used to have this um we called it the igalo scoop yeah? Oh, yeah um he did it before it was cool but he'd, the ball would look like it stuck to his foot so he literally would turn with the ball and the defender would go flying it was in the championship they weren't very good at like uh, the championship weren't that great at the time and he would just bang in goals for fun um, and I remember this one goal against Middlesbrough. Don't know why it's just come to my mind, but hmm. we I think we won like three 0 on the day. It was just outside the area. He scooped him with the Igalo scoop. The, the defender went flying, which always makes the whole scoop look better. And then he just picked his spot. And I remember thinking, wow, like the whole team yeah. was just so good at that at that period of time. You know, yeah. we had Vidra on the bench. You know, we had one of the top goal scorers in the division on the bench. Yeah. Um, with Deeni Vidra and Nagalo, it
0: was just pff, incredible. Okay, right. Now, I want to make sure we've got some time because, and I intentionally haven't asked you much about this element of your involvement with football, but I know you're involved in reffing. Now, it's a shame Dave's not here because I did mention to you today, Dave's often quite um, vocal about reffing and everyone up and down the country, if you're involved in football in any way, has always got an opinion on referees and, and refereeing. So, I kind of just want you to tell us about how you are involved in it, what level and yeah, just experiences. And Dan and I will come in at this point if we've got any, anything on that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I don't have any of the qualifications, um, any of the the far qualifications that, you know, you could use to go and manage in a men's game, for instance. But my, essentially my brother-in-law, I mean, me and my partner aren't married, but um, my girlfriend's younger brother plays for a team. Um, in Hemel Hempstead and they play under 12s and then one of the dads was refereeing and then he became coach because what you'll typically find with these under twelve team is that the dad who puts his hand up is the master of all things and it got too much for him to be managing and refing. so they asked all the dads would anyone consider refing?" and they all gave it a huge wide berth <laughs> um, and that's why they, they said okay well do we know anyone else and stupidly enough I said oh I'll do it I'm sure it'll be all right I mean I know everything about football so it'll be fine yeah Um, yeah. so that's why I do it that's how I got involved in it and it started it started this season I hadn't hadn't done it before but I've I refed every single home game this year and um I can't believe some of the experiences I mean there wasn't a week where I came home and I was like well that was peaceful (laughs) Never, well, like it, it's crazy. So yeah, we'll, we'll go through that now. But yeah, I, don't, I I I lot I have a lot of like respect for referees that I didn't have before, and now I'm not even going to lie. When I'm at Watford games, I'd be the first to boo. Now I'm like, That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's seen it from a different angle.
0: So you said so it was well under twelve. So obviously you've got the kids plus, as you said, the dads, the parents, right? Mm-hmm. And. The I was yeah. going to say, from what, <laughs> what I understand, I yeah. mean, Dan's actually got. I mean, how old's your, your son now? He's, so he's only just starting out, right? So,
2: yeah, my, my son's only seven, and I do see an element of um, parent participation and, and shout. And, you know, they're seven years old mm-hmm. um, type thing. But the reason why I kind of nod my health in a slightly different world, I'm also a tennis referee and an umpire years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And the parents were atrocious, like how competitive they are and how yeah. serious they are it was usually parents who didn't play the sport themselves or worse. Oh, <laughs> and that sounds like it resonates yeah, with you. It really does. <laughs> close to home. So, so do, yeah.
0: do you want to then give us some experiences? And I'd also like, you know, to to kind of discuss if you have got any sort of really good moments as well and the, the appreciation, like you said, about refereeing in mm. sort of like professional football. But yeah, do you want to give us some some examples of some of the things you can talk about?
1: Yeah, I mean just just on what what um what you just said there, it's that whole the the fathers that don't play the game. Yeah you've hit the nail on the head there. So I mean, it is a, typically them that, that cause the most trouble. <laughs> but and,
0: yeah. Oh go on, sorry, go on.
1: No, no, so all, all I was gonna say, so experiences from the game. So so good good things. Obviously I, I love um when you have like the kids listening to you and respecting you and, and understanding that you're there for a reason. Um, mm. You get a lot more respect from the home boys because you're with them every week. So when you give a foul against them, they know like it's a foul. So they don't cause any trouble. Whereas the away kids, as crazy as it sounds, they almost come expecting the ref to be a cheat, So that they immediately think, oh, you know, he's going to be against us. Cause I, I don't know what happens at other matches, but that's just, you're immediately fighting against that, and some people would, some people do. I've seen it. I go to some of the away games. Some of the dads play into you know the away hmm. games, uh, away away teams' favour. So in order to, for them not to seem like they're cheating, they give loads more to the away team. But I've just always said to myself, I'm going to be straight down the middle. I'm going to pretend I know no one here, and how I see it is how I'm going to play it. And yeah, that's you know that's caused a few stirs for sure.
0: It's funny, isn't it? Because. You know, I've not been involved in, in the youth side of the game, but I've, you know, I've been a fan many years of, of non-league football, and it's funny because you said the dads always go into an away game thinking that the home team's going to be favoured, but you know when they're at home, they're not thinking the refs going to give them any decisions. <laughs> you know, and it's funny how the footballing brain works, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely, and they, and they're getting it from their dads. I mean, and the TV as well. So one of the craziest things I saw this season was uh, kids having a go at me covering their mouths you just think (laughs) (laughs) like this that 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 blew my mind I was I literally laughed in the middle of the game um but yeah you're not wrong they're getting it from their parents though a lot of the time like the you can hear the parents shouting on the sideline um at me a lot of the time but also at their own kids you know and you just Mm. think they're 11 years old like they're not They're not, for starters, they're not playing in a high division. So there's no chance that they're ever going to play professional football, or at least the chance is very slim. Just let them enjoy themselves. If they lose, it really doesn't matter. But the parents don't see it like that. They're living through their children. They're living vicariously as if there's a chance. There's a chance he'll play for Arsenal one day, and and he needs to win every game.
0: I I was going to ask you, actually, and you've, you've kind of said something just before that. You know, we keep hearing on the radio and on TV that, Kids are being influenced by Premier League players when we see bad things on the pitch. I was going to say, do you see anything like that? And and I think what you said about the kids covering their mouths is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- do you see kind of any attitude or any behaviours that we see in the in the Premier League, or is it hard to tell because it you know they're so young that they're just probably more getting it from parents. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, you see it all over. They they have a go at each other so much. So at the beginning of the year, the biggest challenge within the managers, you know, within the, the parents, was that the players were shouting at each other. They were being so unproductive. They weren't being supportive at all. And it's so clear who they're getting it from. And I, it's crazy to say, it, it feels like a lifetime ago, but Ronaldo was at Man United last season. And everything that Man United did wrong, was nothing to do with Ronaldo and everything mm. to do with everybody else. And mm. you watch the players, and they're throwing their hands in the air, they're shouting at everyone else. Like, and I, I mean, I'm 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 an adult. I'm ref in the game, and I'm like, that was your man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but they're blaming other people. There's never their fault, and that has come from the players. And as far as like the way they treat refs. You see what happens in the Premier League—the the chasing of refs. I mean, what happened to Mitrovic this season? Uh, well, what happened mm. with Mitrovic this season? Um, and Andy Robert, uh, you know, Andy Robertson as well. It's just—it's boiling over, and that's on the main stage. So, mm. stuff with no cameras. There are—you know—there are there are kids and there are dads who know there are no consequences. I mean, Mitrovic is doing that in the middle of Old Trafford, yeah. down my local park. There's nobody there to protect referees, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's nobody there to stop him either. So there's no no stewards or anything. So what he says, he gets away with, and then even worse, what he does or potentially does, it might go on, it might go unnoticed or unseen, and then I don't want to have to press charges and things like that. So yeah, it's not great. Being a young ref, I mean, I've I've always actually weirdly enough, I've always dreamed of being a referee. So as in when I when I was younger, I knew I was never going to make it. In the Premier League but I always thought wow wouldn't it be good to be a ref and then when <laughs> I started doing this I was like yeah I think I might want to do this like, there's a few challenges but it's all right and then as we'll discuss it just yeah it's just boiled over and it's got to the point now where I'm not even going to bother doing my qualification I, want I was to do, going
0: to ask I was going to ask you, you know, actually yeah you I now. wanted
1: to I really wanted to but with everything that's happened just in one season at under 12s you know, who ultimately cause no fret <laughs> um, mm-hmm. when they when when they become eighteen year olds. I don't really fancy mixing in amongst that. Um, as crazy as it sounds, like how I spend my Sunday mornings, I don't want to be getting threatened. Uh, it's just not not how I want to spend my time. It's, yeah. it, it's
2: interesting, is it? Because we all think that the quality of refereeing in you know the top leagues is. Um, is quite bad and sometimes quite weak and we, and we it is. talk about point all the time but then you hear your story and you're like well why would anyone want to like yeah. anyone who's any good at it, why would they want to do it
1: 100 percent. that is literally i i watch the reason i've always wanted to be a ref is because we've had this problem in england for years and i've always thought i could do better than that 100 yeah. percent. the decisions they make and even how they use var is embarrassing but yeah. there is nobody coming through Every year, it's the same faces in the referee uh, in the Premier League. Yeah. Where are the young? Where's the thirty-year-old ref coming through? Yeah, there isn't one, and it's because of this. And I don't know. I don't know what the, the FA are doing, really.
0: But has it given you an appreciation though? Actually, being on the pitch and, and being put in a position where you've got to call an offside or totally. you know, manage has it given you a like? I yeah. think you said earlier a, a much better understanding of what's going on with the ref during yeah. the match. Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, every decision is scrutinised. I can't, I cannot believe how bad it is. Like, you give a throw in in one direction in in a position in the pitch that has no impact on the game. And everyone on the sideline has an opinion, both the coaches and all the players. And you're like, well, I've got three players in front of me because I don't want to block the game. So I can't, uh, you know, if I stood in front of the ball, where, where would the ball go? So I've got to give myself enough room and th- there's multiple players in front of me. It's bounced off two of you and now I have to decide which way it's going. Both of you are telling me it came off the other guy. <laughs> yeah. I have uh, to make a decision. And, at you know, w- no matter what I do, the other team yeah. are going to think, ah, oh, they're all going that way. And the way that obviously even the human brain is set up is that when I give things for that team, they immediately forget it. It's like, yeah, 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 that was a foul, that's standard. But then when there's a 50-50 or if a foul goes against them, it's like, oh, we're getting nothing. I'm like, I've literally, uh, because I know how the game's going, I'm like, I've literally given you 90% of all the calls and the one call I don't give you, I must now be a cheat.
0: yeah. It's 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 funny as well because the whole thing with I guess youth and non-league and Sunday league is okay in the Premier League thirty thousand people chanting the referees a whatever he hears that but in non-league Sunday league whatever you hear everything you are that close to the ref aren't you that you yeah. you can hear everything and you know have I possibly been mean towards a referee on the on the side yeah. I, I definitely have but I tell you what is funny is like you said, is people get caught up in the emotion of supporting their game. And I've been at games where afterwards the fans have kind of shouted out to the ref, sorry, you know, is, you, you know, yeah. good game in the end, because it's just they're mm-hmm. angry at that time that their team is losing or hasn't got the decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has been funny seeing then fans sort of shout at the referee "Look, it was a fair game, you know, <laughs> sorry mm-hmm. for
1: the abuse. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then you've got the flip side of that, of like Jose Mourinho just refusing to apologise, who just take the fine. Yeah, okay, but what is the impact of that? You know, yeah. you might think he was completely against you, but I watched the game. He was not against you. Your players roll around on the floor and even let the game flow. He was as fair as he could possibly be. But if Jose sees it one way and he's he is the epitome, he's what everyone's looking up to and therefore it filters down. So yeah, that's yeah, not great. But just on that, so one of the stories um is so uh, there's a, there was a few things that had already happened before this, but it started bubbling over. And you say about like you hear people say the referee is whatever. Yeah, I gave a decision. I gave a goal kick, and the coach shouted, "What? It's not. A, it's not a goal kick. It's a corner." And I just said, "I said, look, let me let me ref the game," and he said, "We'll do it properly then." Yeah. <laughs> so the, the goalkeepers kicked the ball. By this point, I blew the whistle. I said, stop the game. I went charging over there. I looked, uh, I got, you know, I got within five foot of him and I just said, excuse me, uh, I really do not appreciate you saying that. There is not enough referees in the game. I've come here on my Sunday. I'm volunteering. I am literally here out of the goodness of my heart. I've seen it as a free kick. Uh, sorry, as a goal kick. I'm in a better position than you are. Yeah. And I really don't need comments like that because that's how it starts. You're going to say it. Then the players will say it. Then the, then the parents will say it. Obviously, everyone on the other side, because how they do it is they have managers on one side and and um, all the parents on the other. They don't see what's going on. It looks like we're arguing. Yeah. The guy gave, gave me a bit back and forth and he said, yeah, but it wasn't. Though. It wasn't, though. And I said, look, I have to make the decisions. I'm going to see it how I how I see it. I'm going to play it how I see it. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. and I'm not going to do what the other coach wants me to do. So let me make the decisions and you stay out of it. Anyway, that, that, that calmed the whole situation down. And I remember thinking, wow, that's just what I've got to do now. I've got to stop the game because if it starts, it builds. And then the craziest thing about it was about like 20 minutes later, I ran past him just on the sideline and he, and he bloody whispered in my ear saying, yeah, good refing. You're doing good now. (laughs) I was like, what what is this? Yeah. At the end of the game, he made a real thing to shake my hand. So it's almost accepted. So what I'm yeah. trying to say there is, it's almost accepted. It's like standard that he would say, "We'll do it properly." Then, but yeah. as soon as I actually spoke to him, and he realised I am a real person, yeah, the whole you know the whole situation changed, and he started actually being nice
2: to me.
0: Yeah, well, it takes,
2: oh. it's a shame. It just took, you know it takes courage to do what you did, but it's a shame yeah. it, it required that to get the respect of mm. being a fair referee or yeah. being left alone to do your job.
1: Definitely. Well I like to tell him like there's nobody else here that wants to ref. If I if I walk away right now, nobody else here will put their hand up and say, Yeah, I'll ref so then the yeah. game won't happen.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay.
1: So that that's just the situation.
2: And when just a bit of a humor one. So when you you know you see your players sort of put their hands over their mouths to whisper, mm. then you do like the VAR symbol and point yeah. to the T V screen at the side. Always. <laughs> Always.
0: <laughs> Someone they're matching a mobile when replaying it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I've had a few like
1: where the, the manager will be running down the touchline, he'll fall over, and I'll I'll like pretend to like VAR and stop the game. But there's a foul over there. There's a foul over there because he's taken a tumble. But yeah, it, obviously it's all of that now. You, you, you get all of that. You, yeah, it's just part of the game. Everyone's doing it. You know, I'll make a decision, and everyone will start going VAR, VAR, and I think we we're, we're a million miles away from that.
0: <laughs> uh, the, I'm kind of just looking at the time have you got any other sort of stories in in the reffing world um yeah yeah so i mean the, the only other one
1: really to to touch on is like I, I mean this was like one of the first occasions i was reffing a game it was already a bit toxic because uh, the week before they played and one of the dads had reffed the game and he'd reffed it so poorly it was it was horrendous. I mean, there are a lot of dads out there um, that quite literally ref the game as if their son has to win. So they'll give everything yeah. in one direction. Yeah. And they'll give nothing to the other team. And that is what happened in this week. So I was asked to ref the following game and I decided yet again, I'm going to play this exactly as I see it. And there was one boy who was levels above, levels above. And he, you know, he's the he was the the um the boy's you know, the the father's son that that ref the game the previous week. And now I was like, ah, I get it now. He's clearly the best player, but he had a huge anger issue. So every time the ball got taken off him, he'd kick the player who took the ball off him. Um, He was, you know, going for two foot challenges and I gave him warning after warning after warning, spoke to his coach and I said, one more of that, one more of that, and I'm going to have to give him a yellow card. And that, you know... To a kid, a twenty pound fine is is quite significant. So they, mm. they really don't want to get the fines. And I'm, you know, I'd never given a yellow card before this. Anyway, two minutes passed, flew into a tackle, exact same as before. So I like got the yellow card out. I didn't even know where it was. I was trying to find it. I was like, <laughs> where the like because I've never used it before. Yeah. Gave him this yellow card. Anyway, the game ended. I think it was two all. So you know, it wasn't wasn't positive or negative for either team. Um, but I went over and spoke to my family, who were obviously there to watch my my brother, uh, my brother-in-law, and there was two blokes by the exit, and they're going really loudly. They're saying, "Imagine having to cheat! Imagine having to cheat!" I was like, "Okay, a bit weird," but I'm with my my mother-in-law and my girlfriend, yeah. and these are yeah. two big blokes, and they're saying, "Imagine having to cheat like it's embarrassing," and I was like, "Well, I'm not." I'm not just gonna like, take this. It's, it, they're, they're obviously talking about me. So I said, "Excuse me, who, who are you referring to?" He said, "I'm talking about you, mate." I said, "Well, look, lads, I just ref the game how I see it." And one of them was, you know, twenty stone. So I thought I got 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 to pick my words wisely here. But I said, yeah, yeah. "If you want to ref the next game, just let me know, mate. Just let yeah. me know because I I don't want to do it. You know, I'm I'm doing this out of the good of my. Heart. I'm just volunteering. So if you want to do it." oh, nah, mate, you're a cheat, you're this and that. You know, my, you know, my son, that's never a yellow card. I was like, I promise you, there are other referees out there that would have sent him off. The way he was acting was was ridiculous. I said, you know, it's not for me to say, but I, I think I ref the game fairly. Next thing you know, he said, well, I, I, I'll smash your lights in, mate. I was like, I want nothing to do with this. So immediately I was thinking, right, I'm with my partner, I'm with her mum, let's... Let's just go. I remember getting in my car, and obviously I I took it to the club, and the club were really good with it. They said, "Right, well, let's you know, let's take this further. Let's take this to the FA. Let's report him." And they did that. Um, And he's not. He didn't. I don't think he went to any more games for the rest of the season. But I think that was out of choice rather than him actually being forced. I think the his club said, "You're not allowed to come to any more games." It's not like a a proper ban. But I just remember thinking, like, imagine threatening someone. Imagine him threatening someone who has. No, I, I couldn't care less how this game ends. Obviously, I want to see my brother-in-law play well. But other than that, I really don't care. So you think I wake up on a Sunday morning in the pouring rain just to make sure the team draw to all? You're crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. You see, I've, I've never wanted to be a ref and I think you've just basically made it that, that was the right decision yeah. you know other than the whole fitness thing but you know yeah yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah well it's only going to get I mean if I keep doing it, it's only going to get worse because they're going to get bigger and stronger and faster yeah and I'm just not
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay I think I think we'll probably look at wrapping up there Dan actually was there anything else you wanted to ask? no not,
2: not question wise just more of a thank you for um kind of coming on I think it's been really not just the Watford stuff but speaking to you about the refereeing stuff I think is is quite interesting and enlightening really I think highlights probably stuff that we probably all know but don't appreciate because we don't experience it. Um mm-hmm. so just, yeah, so thank you for doing that. Yeah, no mm.
1: problem. Uh, hopefully it doesn't put people off because refing is, is you know, it's great. You, I get such a I get such a thrill from it to be honest with you. Being the man in the middle making all the decisions, you mm-hmm. know, it you know, it's it's great. It's like wow yeah. you know all eyes on me and when you get it all right you finish a game and you know even if everyone thinks you didn't you know every decision you made was spot on yeah. that's great um yeah. so you just need really thick skin
0: yeah well Nathan well I want to say thank you as well There's some really good stuff there um so yeah to everyone listening giving you an overview of Watford and also shown that those referees especially outside the the professional leagues are just normal people, right? So you know, I, I think you look at these refs and you just lump them into the thing that, yeah, they you, you know they are cheating, and, and it's a mindset that when you're watching TV or the professional game, it just follows into into any level, doesn't it? It's like it's that mindset. Why is my team losing? It's not their fault. But anyway, Definitely. but yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Um, no problem. From Dan and I, I think we'll say goodbye don't forget follow us like subscribe give us a comment on any platform you can you can tweet us just football you'll hear the socials after i'm not going to repeat it, say it again because you'll just get them doubled up so yeah we'll see you next week
2: cheers all bye-bye thanks guys
0: thanks for listening to just football if
1: you enjoyed the show please subscribe and leave us a review you can follow us on twitter at just football pod or contact us through email on justfootballpod at gmail.com. We'll be back next time with more football talk.
0: Until then, keep your head up and your eyes on the ball.